I believe in inspiring people to be the person they aspire to be by doing the things they aspire to do. This podcast is an additional platform to help me do just that. I know a lot, I've done a lot, and I do a lot. By sharing my experience with you all, be the highlight of my day. I will also have family, friends, and colleagues share their knowledge and experiences with me. You think you know me, but you don't know the half. Welcome to Vail's World. It's the team. What's up, everybody? This is Lavelle D. Munger, your host for Vail's World. And I am glad to have y'all here as usual. Um, as you can tell in my energy, I'm a lot more lifted than last week. Uh, thank you all that called in, texted me, you know, checked in with me. It definitely helped out. As usual, uh, um, make sure that y'all subscribing and sharing to all of your peoples and your people's peoples. For those that really love me, make sure y'all hit the support button on Anchor and become a monetary supporter for as little as 99 cents a month. All money will go towards the marketing and production of the podcast. None of this money is going in my pocket. If you would like to reach out to your boy, find me on all social media outlets at Vales World Podcast. And if you're really feeling tempted and want to have a real discussion and figure out ways to sponsor, uh, be a guest, and or have me a guest for a show, feel free to email me at Podcast at ldmonger.com. So this show is going to be quite interesting. Uh, we're going to talk about beef. <laughs> I like beef. Um, then we're going to, you know, go to the what's popping segment and the good read of the day is pretty, it's pretty dope, but make sure that you all stay tuned for the topic of this show. And that's, you know, friendships, the parting relationships, the parting, and is there really beef <laughs> just because you leave? So let's get on with the show. Today's good read. Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as If Your Life Depended on It by Chris Voss and Tyler Rass. Man, this was one of the game-changing books for me. When I read it, um, well, I it was actually recommended to me um, by Brianna Browning of The Cookie Monster in Tampa. So she recommended that I read this book. Uh, she knows I love reading books. I've seen the book. And she ain't finished the book. She was telling me all the great things. And she ended up surprising me with the book. Uh, so I read it, got it, you know, got it done. And it was incredible. It also the reason why I read two more negotiating books. And this book is is really started off from the brains of this guy. He was a police officer in Kansas City. Then he became an FBI lead, an international kidnapping and negotiating. And then he just started teaching negotiating classes in university. And it was unique because of the way that he climbed and how important an individual scene negotiating um, within programs. Everything is like a negotiation and we really never talk about it. And if any one of you all are like me, I hated negotiating. Like I hate when people try to cut deals and things of that nature. So this book was one of the pillars that helped me get out of that mind state. And now he's teaching M MBA students these skills that he learned 
in the military and police work, which is pretty dope. So one of the the highlights of this is never split the difference. Some things can't be split. Like some things can't be compromised, right? So if it's like, you know, someone has someone hostage and they say, oh, I don't have the money. I got half. Are you going to accept half of the hostage? Like, how does that work? So some things you really just have to negotiate and get your way. Uh, and then he, he talked about different techniques of negotiation as well as the psychological um, aspect of it. And that's real important to to use your relationship, your emotional awareness and everything that consists of the EI in order for you to be a, a more effective negotiator. You have to know your audience. You have to know your individual that, you know, that you're speaking with in order to successfully negotiate. Um, one of the biggest things is just joining the table. Right. Again, I didn't like the table. So <laughs> you try to negotiate with me. I was already cutting it off. I wasn't the negotiating type. This is my price move. Um, so now learning to join the table, be invited, like enjoy, have fun, talk less, listen more. That's what any relationship. So making sure that you are you know, able to hear what people mean and not just what they saying. And then you respond accordingly not responding just based off what they're saying and based off the the take that you have because we all have biases. So when you're able to remove yourself, you find yourself being able to hear more. Um, use multiple people. Like if there's opportunity, so for a lot of our uh, wedding consultations, it's usually more than one person. And that allows someone to take notes and kind of listen to the details that the other person may be missing because they're leading the negotiation in a sense, or they leading the informational session. And that way, you know, we have two tiers. We have two different personalities as well as two tiers that's, that's there to accomplish one goal. Um, be prepared, making sure that you're looking over all the information uh, that you can answer any question that someone may have or any scenario that they may throw up, just making sure that you are um, ready to respond and you have the tools so that you won't get uncomfortable and are comfortable and tap into your natural response rate, right? So that's that's where preparation come in. Um, know the game of negotiating. Like, it's a game. Have fun with it. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Um, knowing what tools you need to have in your tool bag. All those things are important. So good read um, for today is Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It by Chris Voss and Ty Rise. This book, highly recommended, and hopefully it allows you to open up your brain to negotiating and continue your journey with the other books um, that this book was created from. So what's popping? Man, this week has been crazy. So Nas X dropped a video and then he also dropped a shoe that wasn't cleared by Nike. So it was a custom shoe. Um, it's called the Satan Air Max. And it's 666 pairs. And they're selling for around 1200 a pair. And people are furious. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to act like the shoe isn't tight. Uh, if you take out all the demon stuff, it's a pretty solid shoe. I'm a 
I'm a plain guy. I like black. Uh, definitely love red. So the black and red, it hits. Um, dependent, they can. I feel like they can switch a lot of these things. If Nike was smart, uh, they I will re re release this shoe and just switch up a lot of the um the sinister shit that they got going on. Honestly, from the box, how it was actually um how how it looked like the box the way it opens and all of that everything is a, is an experience um everything looked pretty dope so I, I believe the real uproar comes from the video i didn't see the video and i would never heard about the video if it wasn't for this shoe uh, i like shoes more than i like lunas x um so I, I believe this publicity stunt uh, was definitely a PR move. And he's always been kind of edgy and figuring out ways to stay relevant. Um, um, you know, again, the shoe looked nice to me. Just taking out all of the demon, the devil stuff. <laughs> and that can be one of the best sellers. And honestly, this shoe might be talked about for a while. I'm not really sure who all got the shoe. Uh, I'm not even sure if the shoe was really released because <laughs> I couldn't find it on none of the Nike uh, websites as well as Nike cleared their name. They said they have no involvement in this. I wonder if they're going to press charges because of money is actually being made. So I don't know how that how that's going to look. But yeah, Nas X, um, there was a... the the LBGT community, uh, some individuals trying to defend him on that, which it made sense. I've seen one statement um, that mentioned how Christians use the Bible to pretty much oppress, oppress them. And now that someone actually did what they say or assume that people from that community does now it's even more uproar so it was kind of you know crazy how they used that statement in order to to build their case which is some truth in that uh so the little Nas x shoe i'm not spending 1200 for that shoe for not any shoe honestly and i didn't see the video but from the pictures that's been surfacing it's not my type of video to watch, so I don't really have too much uh, concerns and or say in what's really going on. So, yeah, let me know if y'all got the Nas X shoe and how y'all feel about that. Uh, I believe buddy name is Derek Jackson. See, I just started talking about being prepared. Let me double check because this dude. Oh, man. Yep. Derek Jackson, the self-love ambassador. All right. I am trying to figure out why this guy, first I'm trying to figure out where, where he come from. Like I never knew, I never knew where, never heard of Derek Jackson, nothing. Actually, when I seen this going viral on Twitter, I was first introduced to the situation because of the bonnet. Um, so everyone was talking about his wife's bonnet. And I think I was going to work a wedding, so I didn't have time to actually play it or listen to any audio. But they were going in about the bonnet. 
Uh, so apparently, uh, Derek Jackson cheated on his wife multiple times. I think he had two mistresses, uh, from what I've seen. And he unsolicited an apology with his wife. And they went live. And um, who asked for this? Like, I think that's the biggest question. Like, who asked for this? Like, no one... Hey, bro, can you send us that apology? Like, I don't know who asked for this. I'm not in this circle. I don't follow him. But apparently someone had to ask, and that's why they did it. Um, so it was weird. It was also weird how people and their convenient truths. So we complain about men that cheat, and now we're complaining about a man that went public to apologize. So that was that was a weird flex to me. I was like, "Oh my god!" Uh, but more and more, like I, I'm like, uh, it wasn't like they had a public relationship. Like they were socialites, and like people knew and followed them. Well, not me. So maybe someone does, and that's who they sparked the apology to. Uh, <laughs> but I, I believe the cheating aspect need to be revisited um and a conversation that a lot of people need to have um a lot of people don't know themselves a lot of people avoid many conversations and that's why they find themselves in similar positions where they feel as if they have to apologize for some stuff that they that they've done in the past uh, so if anyone see Derek Jackson he's a big cocky guy uh play football Probably somebody picked up his stats because he was talking like he really did something. I believe he played one game, 11 yards, uh, two touches, something like that. Uh, played for Tuskegee football team. <laughs> and, yeah, man, this one he should have just shut up. But apparently he has a book, and he has a book, that, and he's the self-love ambassador. So I guess he was using this moment to really share and shed light on himself as he um, now open up space where he can travel and talk about his book. I would have went a different route. Um, embarrassing your lady is not the go-to, but honestly, in this society, people love seeing mess. So it's easier to attract more people with mess than the righteous word. So we'll see how it play out. Uh, she been spazzing out, talking about her beret and all that other stuff. But good luck to the Jacksons. Um, wish nothing but the best for you all. Hope you all figure it out. And, and yeah, that's really it with that. Hope they figure it out. She's not leaving. He's not leaving. And hopefully the world gets a better understanding of cheating. <laughs> all right. So my bounce back. So last week, you know, I talked about how I really wasn't, you know, feeling myself, wasn't feeling life. Uh, almost didn't give you all. A wonderful episode. I'm glad I created that episode because it allowed people to check in on me and just make sure I was good. Man, I received a lot of support, a lot of praises, uh, a lot of uplifting. Uh, so over the last week, I actually been sleeping better. So that's good. Um, I decided to lay off alcohol for the month of April. And not because alcohol played a role, um, but in my readings, just making sure that although I'm a a social drinker like I drink when I'm in social settings when I'm meeting with people and things of that nature at night when I drink I'll be lit 
Um, so just making sure that I'm not using alcohol to fill voids. Um, so all those in the midst of me having fun and being social, but make sure there's not a deeper um, problem with that. And also last month, uh, well, last year in April, I ran 100 miles in that month and I lost a lot of weight. And I think a lot of that contributed from not drinking alcohol. Um, I believe a lot of my little pudge comes from alcohol because I, I rarely eat. Um, most of the times when I do drink alcohol, if I do mix it or if I'm out, I probably mix it with a Red Bull, which is a lot of sugar and things of that nature. Or I'll probably mix it with like cranberry juice or pineapple juice, which is juice. And this is coming from someone that doesn't really drink juice. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, health and mental, really just trying to push my discipline to the limit. Uh, we have a lot of weddings this month, so that'll be interesting. And I started early. I feel like if you're going to start something, you know, in April, what's wrong with starting at March 26th? Uh, just getting your mind and your body mentally prepared for what you're about to put it through. Uh, catching up on work has been great. So being able to knock out a lot of these projects, I think that's been overwhelming for me. Uh, my personal projects, still working on my website. So I might have to push that uh, because that deadline is near. And yeah, so uh, I'm still on track to accomplish my goals. I think that's a big piece to kind of bounce back on and remember your, your why for this year. Remember the things that you're trying to accomplish and pat yourself on the back for accomplishing some of those things. Um, so I am on a nice track of getting things done in a reasonable amount of time. So no, no one of my goals, financial goals, is to have 15000 in the stock market. And again, I started last year and it was great money doubled i wish i would have been smart enough to put more money in certain spaces but you live and you learn and one thing for sure two things for certain these moments these opportunities will always repeat itself maybe once in my lifetime maybe twice but i know if it happened again i'll be better prepared uh i have more knowledge i'm more comfortable with the decisions i made and it's it's been beautiful um a lot of my slump actually came from the recent deaths so being able to really figure out what what is the source of this feeling. A lot of it is just feeling bad just for the people that died. Again, it was three people within the last month, one a car accident, one natural cause, and then one got shot. And where I'm from, I'm kind of used to people um, dying. So I, I pose a question, why I, like, I question why am I so immune to death? And like, is this normal? So that was really my biggest, you know, piece. Uh, I'm I'm more remorseful of how I react to death, um, more than just death itself. Like I I feel like something's wrong with me a lot of times, and that's something that I continue to to figure out and speak with my therapist about. So I don't. It could be a defense mechanism. It could be you know how I process death, or it could be for the simple fact that I'm not afraid of death because it's, it's inevitable. Like it's going to happen. Like you can't escape death. Everything comes to an end at some point. Um, so I like. I really want to take the time and figure out: is it a defense mechanism, or is it because of the way I process death that makes me a little more comfortable and free, um, and fearless 
of the thought of death. It's a lot of people that fear death. And it's me on the other end. That's like, Hey, it's going to happen. Can't be too, can't beat yourself up too much for it. And I don't want to die no time soon. I still have some things I need to accomplish before I turn over. So hopefully there are some days still on my ticker. And that was the, that's what's popping for, for, for the week, man. Let me know y'all thoughts of what's popping in your hood and your brain and your community. Um, feel free to hit me up on social media outlets. Vales World Podcast, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Bebo, wherever that you go. If you really want to get saucy, go ahead and shoot me an email at Podcast at ldmonger.com. Now on to the hot top. All right. Beef. And I ain't talking about Wendy's. We are not beefing just because I don't mess with you. We are not beefing just because I didn't call you last week. We are not beefing because as I was shopping in Target, you seen me, but I didn't see you. So I didn't speak. We are not beefing because I missed your call. We are not beefing because we're not Instagram friends. We are not beefing because I don't fuck with you. I don't have to beef with you because I don't mess with you. And that's, that's what millennials like. That's what we get confused at a lot. We feel like if someone doesn't like us, where they hate us. And that's not the case. Like you can literally live a life and have no concerns, no cares for someone like it's it's possible people um i do it all all the time just because i don't mess with you don't necessarily mean i'm gonna treat you like a horrible human um i just won't treat you like the best human in the world you know from the people that i know and actually have relationships with and i believe it's pretty toxic to assume that everyone that's not cool with you hate you uh, because of the the train of thought that it places you in the emotion, the everything, man, the environment that it places you in. And why would you want to do that to yourself? It's also a lot of thinking that goes into assuming that someone hate you. For one, there's no clear line of communication. Like I ask people straight up, like if I if I have a question, direct as possible, do you hate me? And allow them to answer. And take them for their word. It's not that hard. So we have to get out of the space, especially with like relationships and detachment. Our like people anxiety as it becomes as it pertains to detachment that because someone leaves that they hate you. <laughs> and that's not it. So communication is really an important piece. Being able to have those uh, exit meetings, interviews and things of that nature, just figuring out. Spaces that both of you all can do better so y'all not passing that trauma on to the next relationship because of the unknown. And now you assume that maybe if I stop doing this, that B wouldn't be the, the end result. And then beat yourself up in the head more because 
the result is still the same, although you did everything you could to change your methods. What's beef? I ain't beefing with you. Like, what? Just because you fall out with people doesn't necessarily mean it's the most negative thing in the world. That is, be Some people grow apart, and that's okay. It's some people that, you know, I text every week, every other day. It's some people I text three, four times a year. That's okay. I'm not beefing with none of y'all. I'm not beefing with nobody because I don't mess with you. I just understand where I'm at in life, myself, my goals and things I'm doing that I accepted the fact that we just grew apart. That don't mean I hate you. That don't mean I want beef. That don't mean it's smoke on sight. We just at different points in our life. And I feel like the biggest piece is understanding why people are in your life. Right. I think that's a huge piece. And then understanding your purpose in their life. So my my big bro told me a long time ago, and this would allow me to be more accepting and OK with individuals coming and going out of my life. At first, it was very traumatic uh, because of my upbringing, um, having to always move, uh, having people come in my life, um, then disappear. Individuals saying they're here to help, but there's no follow up. So my biggest thing was I was already mentally prepared uh, to leave. And like I really didn't allow a lot of people in because I already assumed that, hey, you're going to leave anyway. So why should I give this my all when I already know the outcome? So the biggest thing that he, he taught me is that humans are resources. Like people that come in your life are resources. And in my brain, I was like, what? Like, no, I don't like using people. <laughs> like, that don't make sense. That ain't cool. And he was like, no, like people want to be used. Like, if you're not using them, it's actually a need. So if you're not using them, you're not, they're not feeling appreciated and value. They're going to find someone that does. And I was like, what? So he, he brought out the and a lily pad analogy and he was saying imagine you being a toad or a frog on one end of a pond and humans are like lily pads they are there to assist you to get to the other side of the pond so as you hop on one you know some you may stay on longer than others or the other lily pad the other individual the other opportunity may come but it may take a little time. So you got to sit on this little pay. You got to sit in, in this relationship as you plan and process and grow so you can be prepared for that next little pad. And some of them going to take you the wrong way, but it's still a lesson within that. Some detachments deserve beef. They deserve all the smoke. But a nice, a vast majority of them don't. And I say that because you're usually the energy that you attract. So if your energy is positive, your vibes are positive, your intentions are positive, you typically going to attract more of the people that's associated with your energy. So that one person that maneuvers themselves into your life, 
you can't fault the world and you can't allow them to be the the rule. They're just the exception, right? So he told me this this lily pad thing is like once you get over, you'll you'll notice that when you look back, you can still see most of the lily pads. So they're never really gone. It's just taking the time to bounce back and holler at them. To look back and review where you came from. Because one thing about the lily pad is if you don't hop on it, it's going to keep moving through the water and somebody else going to hop on it. Someone else going to learn how to utilize it uh, to their benefit. It's, there are so many individuals that's out here to serve that we are always looking for people to assist and elevate and push to their next steps. And that's the beautiful thing. So once I start seeing detachment in a different light, it allowed me to grow and expand and really cherish my relationships. How do you maximize the time you have? Every minute, every second, every millisecond. I might not see you every day. I might not talk to you every day. But when we on the phone, we got a lot of catching up to do. Just because we don't communicate doesn't mean you beefing with me and doesn't mean I'm beefing with you. See, a lot of that comes from when people start taking stuff serious and personal. That's when everything is, is smeared. That's why I always suggest for anybody that I talk to, I asked them, have you read the four agreements? And I, I, t- I asked them to read the four agreements so we can be on the same page of not taking things personal because that's the beginning factor of everything else to crumble. After Once you take something personal, now you're in your feelings and you can't think right. You're not, you're not making decisions off logic, making a lot of rational decisions based off how you feel. And that ain't cool. Not at all. So to level up, right, you have to figure out, for one, why you're feeling this way. And then being able to communicate that to the other person. Effective communication. If you all have a mutual agreement that, you know, we're not healthy for each other right now, then you all can mutually detach. Another thing that... I believe that contributes to this beefing factor. Uh, And it's something that I used to do a lot was making us decisions by yourself. So going to the other party and saying, hey, this is is a, you know, I feel like this is the best for us. Da, 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 da. And coming into this space as if the decision is already made instead of inviting that individual to the table so you all can communicate through what's beneficial for both of you and regardless if the outcome is the exact outcome that you propose the ability to allow someone to have buy-in to have a say within that decision automatically validates that individual and it makes it more mutual Opposed to you coming up with a decision or, you know, always think about somebody coming up with a decision 
on your life, again, because you all are in a relationship, it's two people, they come up with a decision that's altering your life. And you're like, wait, huh? Like, you don't know none of the the variables that help this individual come up with this decision um, and or it's assumed, right? It's assumed that because you see A, B, and C that the result ends in D when in reality our perspectives are mostly different. So the reason why you want to lead a relationship may not be the reason why I feel like we need a relationship, even if we both agree that we need to depart from this relationship. So now I think that, you know, the beef portion comes from we weren't allowed to sit at the table and really effectively come up with a detachment plan and, and, you know, figure out what was really the, the drama between us. And again, this is mostly for, semi-healthy relationships if anyone is being verbally abused sexually abused sexually assaulted um verbally abused like this isn't for that like get out of that soon as you can there's really no closure needed you're you're being harmed um do whatever is necessary in order for you to get out of that relationship and i and i pray and wish nothing but the best uh, for those individuals that's been impacted by relationships like that, um, by no, no form. And am I promoting staying in and are trying to have closure for um, abusive relationships? That's not what I'm saying at all. And I hope you all don't take anything that I'm saying like that. Um, but I, you know, I'm I'm speaking more of the the less abusive relationships in a sense. Although I believe, you know, toxicity is a form of abuse but a lot of that comes from then a lot of that that's not intentional comes from just basically communicating figuring out what are your needs what are your likes in relationships and how can i fulfill them and or am i willing to deal with it um in relationships seem like the top two things people don't like talking about is sex and finances which are usually the main reason um, relationships fail is because of sex and finances. Somebody owe you some money. <laughs> uh, somebody don't know, mismanage money. Somebody always broke. And again, this can dwindle go into friendships as well. Someone's always taking the, the, you know, taking the tab, the financial burden. And then as it pertains to sex, somebody always late because of, you know, their significant other, they're getting busy <laughs> with their person. Um, the lack thereof, sex within their relationship, and all these other type of things. So, again, you know, there's other things that can be communicated by. But if anyone listening to this podcast or know someone that's listening, uh, that's going through an abusive relationship, all we can do is, you know, support, figure out what can we do or add to get them out of that relationship and let them be in a relationship. But back to us and this beef and stuff for the people that it ain't really like that. It's just, I grew apart from you. You grew apart from me. And that's that. Just communicate. There's no beef. There's like when friends turn to enemies, either they've been an enemy or you create the enemy out of them or you all created enemies out of each other just based off y'all lost the common touch and the way that y'all communicated. And now y'all at, at this disconnect, 
A lot of people are emotional. A lot of people are emotional. And when you understand that and you manage that, you can get through. Majority of the relationships that I had that I want I wouldn't call fail, um, but temporarily um yeah, temporary defeat in a sense. Most of it came from communication. But since I know these things, that's why I allow people to get their space before circling the block and really just trying to communicate, uh, making sure I apologize in whatever space or capacity that I feel um, I need to apologize in. I'm not going to apologize just so you can hear it, which in negotiating, sometimes that's all you have to do um, to gain control and power over individuals because that's all they want to hear. But I'm not the type to really tell people what they want to hear and tell them what they need to hear. So I like to create the space so that, for one, you're not taking it personal. And for two, by you not taking it personal, hopefully we can really have a community, you know, a conversation where we getting things off our chest effectively. And then from there, you know, people realize like, hey, it was all a misunderstanding and it ain't really no beef. But at the time, we couldn't have this communication. We couldn't have this conversation uh, because of the spaces that we were in. Fire and fire creates more fire. So when you're dealing with someone that's deep in their feelings, they, a, a lot of the times, the anger sparks from fear. So that's a big piece to understand. A lot of, a lot of detachment issues come from fear, coming from the fear of not being good enough, coming from the fear of not being loved, coming from the fear of having to go out there and find someone else or something else to attach to. A lot of people really don't be angry for real, man. They, 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 they are fearful. They, they are, are being guided by fear. And the only way that we learn to display that fear is, is, is in anger. And then the conversations that you need to have. I ain't beefing with you. I just don't mess with you. It's strangers you never had a conversation with that thinks you beefing with them just because you don't speak. I'm not beefing with you. I don't even know you. So, yeah, let me know how y'all feel about beefing with with strangers and or beefing with old family and friends uh, just because of a miscommunication, just because of their precipitation of not messing with them anymore and or how y'all communicate, feel free to hit me up on all the social media outlets at Vales World Podcast. And if it's really something juicy you want to talk about, shoot me an email at Podcast at ldmonger.com. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope y'all enjoy the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Join me in my journey to success by following on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Veils World Podcast. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns you would like to address, or you just want to sponsor or feature on an upcoming episode, email me at Veils World Podcast at ldmonger.com. 
Veil's World can be heard on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, share, leave a review or a voice message, and more importantly, support. For as little as 99 cents a month, we can take this thing a long way. Love. It's the team.